Man, talking about D now like fires me up at, because uh, in I was just I had a, I have an old Bible from when I was a teenager, and uh, I was looking through it just before I came out here, and uh, right beside Luke fourteen thirty three was uh, the date nineteen ninety three, and that was when I was at a D now as a senior in high school, and uh, God spoke to me through that verse about a, a decision that I was supposed to make. And, uh, and so D-Now and, and the investment there are seeds that God harvests. I, I was even at a restaurant the other day talking to someone, and uh, part of this person's story was, hey, Matt, I, do you remember you baptized me because I got saved? I met Jesus at Disciple Now. Let's be expectant, church. Let's invite people. Uh, let's pray this up because it's a big, big, amazing weekend that's, uh, that's coming up, and, and, and we're fired up for it. Hey, I just want to welcome all of our campuses. My name is Matt. We're one church, six locations, and, and just thank you so much for being here. Hey, before we get started, we're in part two of this series on, on rhythms. I just need to uh, kind of give everybody at Rockbridge an apology. It, it grieves me um, when the intentions of my heart, the truth of God's Word, and the majesty of G King Jesus are in any way clouded by communication that comes out of my mouth. So in part one, I, I chose an analogy to use that uh, did some of that, and so I just need to own that and apologize some of you who are here, you may agree with what I just said. You may disagree. It really doesn't matter because clarity is on me. Clarity from up here, clarity from this inspired book from the Lord is on me. And I did not hit that mark last week, so I just need to say I am sorry. All right, let me pray. God, I, I just want to thank you for your grace. I want to thank you, God, that... Uh, your power and your truth are, uh, are bigger than me, and you, God, you use leaky vessels and fragile, sinful people like me, and I thank you, God, because we're a group of people from all walks of life. We're all coming from somewhere, but God, you've got somewhere better for us to be and for better for us to go, and I pray, God, we just get in behind your son, even right now this weekend, and, uh, and move in rhythm with him. So God, wherever we're coming from, you've got us here for a reason, so find us expectant. In your name we pray as we open your word. Amen and amen. So uh, we're going to ask this question, wrestle with this question. What determines how, how we set or how we, set, how we set our schedule? That, that's like a big deal, right? Because how you spend your time reveals and, and deals with so much. And so I, I got a little glimpse of this in, in, my, in my own family uh, a couple of weeks ago. I, I'm getting Abraham ready for uh, wrestling practice. And I was like, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of the, hey, you know, the, the, the ex-military guy. I'm like, hey, Abraham, hurry up. We got we to gotta get ready. You got wrestling practice. And he goes, well, hey, Dad, how much time do we have? And I said, well, we've got about an hour. And he goes, oh, we've got plenty of time, right? And, and in his mind, for that hour, he gets to be a kid, right? I mean, he gets to just do what, you know, 10-year-olds do. In my mind, we've got to eat a snack. We've got to figure out how to get wrestling shoes on, which we're not really not proficient at. There's a bathroom stop in there. And, and I don't know about your kids. You could watch all the Avengers movies in the time it takes my kids to go to the bathroom, okay? And, and so I've got all this stuff going on. I'm like, Abraham, we got to go. And he's like, how much time? We got an hour. I, got, I can be a kid. And I'm, I'm, he's thinking I get to be a kid. I'm thinking we've got all this stuff to do. 
And, and there's tension there, right? I mean, what determines how we spend our schedule? For some of us, you know, it's like, hey, this is the season I'm in. This is what you got to do in the 21st century. This is what I got to do now. And, and so you just look at your schedule and like it's sort of set for you because this is what you got to do to keep up with the Joneses or this is what you got to do to be successful or this is what you got to do to be the guy or to be the gal. And, and so it's just sort of set for you and, and and that sort of justifies how you spend your time, and that's okay. Uh, a lot of us, were like, hey, you know what? You know what sets my schedule? Busy. It, well, I'm just busy. And I don't, have you ever thought about what kind of love-hate relationship we have with busy? Right? I mean, we hate the fact that busy keeps us from like being better at or being more, in, you know, being a better friend or being more engaged in relationships. But we love the fact that busy validates us, don't we? Or busy gives us an excuse. Uh, I mean, we, we hate the fact that sometimes busy overwhelms us, but then when we're not busy, it's like we're, we wish we were busy. So we have this like tension, this push-pull with, with busy, but when you break it all down and say, hey man, what really sets our schedule? I, I think there's kind of three things that sometimes work in tandem for us, put us in, in this sort of rhythm with things other than God. So the three things that I think sort of set our schedules are this, society and the world, right? Like the, this is what society says you're supposed to do with your T-I-M-E. This is what the world says. And, and, and so you're, you're chasing this, you're pursuing that, you're and, and doing all these kind of things. And, and then maybe inside ourselves, we're to, we're, there's something in us that wants to prove ourselves. There's something in us that wants to pleasure ourselves or wants to scratch an itch. And so we've got this, these ego, these fears, these insecurities, all that. Then we have other people. We have other people because you're trying to meet someone's expectations or meet someone's demands or gain someone's acceptance. And you think about how much energy and time goes into these three things. And, and by and large, we'll expend T-I-M-E on these kind of things. And, and, and then we, we sit here in, in, in a church service and, and we're like, yeah, that's just the way it is. And here's what you and I, when we, when we accept that this is the way it is, and this is what sets our schedule, then what we do with God is this. We ask God to bless this. Because God, this is the world, this is the way it is. And so God bless this. Bless my schedule, bless what I'm involved in because I need this stuff to work out so I can make them like me, so I can be satisfied, so I can make it in the world, so, I, so my insecurity gets camouflaged or covered up or I, or I don't give into it. And, and, and so that's kind of what happens. And, and, and then these three words are, descri- are descriptive of where we are. You know, we're in overload, we're in ambiguity, and we're in hyperconnectivity. And, and those three things are sort of what our schedules are like. Overload because we have so much to do ambiguity because we don't know what to do. So you, have, you know there's this thing called the knowledge economy, and the knowledge economy is we, have to, we don't always know what we need to do or how we need to spend our time. I mean, way back when, right, you knew you had to grow your own food. You, didn't have, I mean, you, just, you knew what to do, right? Now we spend our time learning how to manage our time. And then this connectivity thing where we're always sort of connected and we're always sort of available. So I just want to give you about five statements, and and some of these will resonate and some of these won't, but five statements that might indicate something. I'm not going to tell you yet what it is, but five statements that might indicate something about how your schedule is lined up and whether you're in rhythm with God or out of rhythm with God. So so here's what they are, okay? The first statement is this. I use time to develop or maintain a certain image. 
I use time to develop or maintain an image. We're all, we all have an image. We're going to look at the one we're supposed to portray, but we all want to maintain an image. So we will spend time on that image. We'll spend money on that image. You know, it's like, have you ever like taken 15 pictures before you posted the real one on Facebook? Right? Now, what are you doing? That took you a lot of time. Now, what are you doing when you do that? And I'm, I'm raising my hand too. I mean, because you want that image to go out in, into space, into the, into the online stratosphere of social media and all your followers see that image. I mean, who want, nobody wants to see an image with your finger up your nose or something, right? So you, you're, you're, that's just image management. And we'll do that with dress. We'll do that with everything, right? How about this one? I frequently say I don't have the time, and I'm going to imply that's for something good and godly, but in reality, it's you just don't take the time. And that was sort of part one. That was sort of part one of rhythms. I, I, I don't have the time, but in reality, just don't take the time. Okay? The, the, the third one is, I, I have a hard time saying no or even knowing what to do with my time. I just have a hard time saying no to people because I, I'm, I'm sort of like the ping pong ball, right? Uh, or, but, or I don't even really know what to do with my time. That, that may fit. Here's another one. My real problem isn't being busy because life is busy. It, but really the problem is I'm hurried. And here's what hurried means. I'm so preoccupied with me and my deal that I, that I miss you and I can never be available. I'm never really fully in the moment. I'm never really fully with, with someone because I'm always boom, 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 boom. I'm just hurried. There's a difference between being busy and being hurried. And, and then here's the final one. And it's Definitely relevant, especially in the last couple of years, uh, a decade or so. I have trouble with technology. I am available to everyone, but I have a hard time being in the moment with anyone. I'm available to everyone. Ping, 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 you know, notification here, text here. But I can't just sit here in the moment and have a face-to-face conversation with my family. Or I can't, if you've, if you've ever had a loved one or a close relative say, hey, would you put your phone down? then you just need to go ahead and say, okay, guilty of that one. Now, here's where those five statements are are sort of designed to take us somewhere. And it's somewhere powerful, but it's somewhere challenging, okay? So so we're going to get there, okay? Here's the powerful thing. These five statements, to whatever degree you agree with those five statements, really take us to this place, okay? That my schedule may not be under the leadership and lordship of Jesus Christ. That my schedule just, and how I manage my time, how, what sets my time, what sets my schedule, it just may not be under the lordship and under the leadership of Jesus Christ. And, and now, listen, we think, well, we can't do anything about it because we're just busy, or we just can't do anything about it because what you got to do, so we just need God to bless our schedule. That's what God ought to do, right? But, but listen, listen, if he's Lord, and if he's king, and he's not Lord of all, and he's kind of not in the Lord at all, right? I mean, I don't get to buffet line what Jesus is Lord of. I mean, we love that. We love Jesus and the buffet line, right? I mean, we want him to be Lord in the hospital. We want him to be Lord over the cancer, right? We want him to be Lord at the funeral service. But my sex life, no, 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 no. I got that one, God. My schedule, oh, well, God's got to do, we just got to do what we got to do on that one. You bless my schedule. And so just the confession is this. Now listen, Jesus has to be Lord of your schedule. It's part of being a Christ follower. Hard to do that, but, it, but he has to be because that's who he is. 
That's who he is. So what we're going to do is, remember, Jesus walked around like us. He confined himself inside of a 24-7 day, 365, and he walked around like us. So Jesus had to have filters. Jesus had to have paradigms. Jesus had to have a way of deciding what he said yes to, what he didn't say yes to. Jesus had to have a way of dealing with distractions. Jesus had to have a way of setting priorities. Jesus had to have a way of something had to set his schedule. And we've already said most of us, it's what other people want us to do. It's junk and stuff going on inside of us, or it's what society and the world says we ought to do. Well, what did Jesus go by? What set Jesus' calendar? If you've got your Bibles, you can open it up to, uh, to John, the fourth gospel, uh, John chapter 5. And we're going to look at an interaction that really gets into the heartbeat of what set Jesus' time. And we're going to get a principle, and then I'm going to give you a question. And you can lay this question on your calendar. You can lay this question uh, over, your, over your schedule. Because this question will give us a paradigm, give us a rubric, give us a way of giving us something. Besides society, besides the world, besides insecurity, besides what other people might think, besides image management, to set our time and set our calendars so that we can be in rhythm with God. All right, John chapter 5. Here we go. Jesus has completed his third miracle. John's book is divided up into signs. This is called the third sign. He'd healed a guy who was lame for 38 years. The challenge was he did it on the Sabbath, or he did it on kind of the day where you couldn't do anything according to ancient Jewish law. And so here's what's interesting. How Jesus spent his time got Jesus in trouble. It was ultimately the fact that Jesus kept doing things on the Sabbath, and he'll explain why he did things on the Sabbath, that caused people to want to kill Jesus. And you, you and I can relate, right? Because people judge you based on how you spend your time. That's, that's just true, right? People judge you based on how you spend your time. So here we go. Jesus, confined to the 24-7 day like we are, he can't make time because in this situation. He can only take time. So what does he do? So therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. And you weren't supposed to, in their, in their culture, their tradition, their understanding, you weren't supposed to do anything on the Sabbath, okay? Jesus responded to them. Here's what he says, and it just makes them even madder. He says, my father, and he points to the relationship that he has inside the Godhead because God exists in a family, a community. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, it's mysterious, it's amazing, it's beautiful, it's infinite, and my finite mind can't explain it. I just worship God because he exists as a three-in-one God. So he's in this relationship with the Father, and he says, hey, my father is still working on the Sabbath, so I'm working also. And he's claiming right here to be God. He's not Father God, he's God the Son. And it goes on, he says, this is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, doing something on a day he wasn't supposed to be doing it, according to the society, according to the religious leaders, but he was calling God his own Father, making himself equal to God. So Jesus is God. He's claiming to be God. Those people out in culture say Jesus is just a good man, a good teacher, and a good moral person. No, either a good man, a good person, a moral person is, can't be a liar. He's claiming to be God. So he's either Lord or he's a liar or he's crazy, right? And then the resurrection from the dead proves that what? He is who he says he is. 
But he's claiming to be God. He's claiming to be equal to God. He's breaking the laws of the day, the culture, the traditions. And so here's what we begin to see about what, how Jesus let his schedule be set. His use of time reflects his relationship with the Father. That the predominant factor in Jesus' use of time is not efficiency. The pr- is not, I got to punch through a to-do list. The predominant thing is I am in a relationship, and it is the defining relationship of his eternal existence that he is inside the Godhead as God the Son in relationship with God the Father and God the Spirit, and that begins to define how he spends his 24-7. So Jesus' use of time, second point, reflects his core or his fundamental identity. And he's true to that, and he's authentic to that. Now, you and I battle this, right? You wake up in the morning, and there's, a, there's some, there, who, who do you have to be today? I have to be mom, I have to be chauffeur, I have to be the provider for my family, I have to open the business, I have to make a grade. I mean, there's all that confliction, right, of who are we supposed to be? The world tells you you're supposed to be this. If you're a man, this is what a man does. If you're a woman, this is what a woman does. Your friends, everybody else in authority over you, they've got expectations of you. Inside yourself, you've got these doubts and these questions. Who am I? Why am I here? You know, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with the world? All these questions, and you're wrestling with those kind of questions. So there's conflicting evidence and conflicting voices going off in your soul just when the alarm goes off. And then you check your phone, and you've got a message, and you've got a notification. And can you believe they posted that at midnight? And he posted that at 2 a.m. What were they doing at 2 a.m., right? And it's all going off in your brain and in your skull and in your head and in your soul. And it's like, who am I today? Jesus never baited. That that was never an issue for Jesus. Because he was always going to be true to himself and true to his identity. And then he goes on, and he, he teaches even further as we get into verse 19. And he says, truly I tell you. The son is not able to do anything on his own. And the emphasis here, he's not ever going to act out of selfishness because he can never see himself outside of that relationship with his father. So he's he's never going to be a moment in his life when Jesus says, my will be done. He's tempted to do that in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember, he prayed, not my will, but your will be done, talking to God the Father. But he says, I'm only going to do what I see or what he sees the Father doing. Now, when he says not able, that's his character speaking. That's his heartbeat. That's his integrity speaking, okay? He's he's not saying it's impossible for him. It's just like, you know, we might say, hey, I would never hurt a child. I'm just not able to hurt a child. Right? I mean, we, we might say that. I'm just not able to do that. Now, you, you don't, actually, you could do that, but it, it's inside of you, you're just so clear. There's such a conviction about that that you would never, ever see yourself doing that. So Jesus is saying, hey, when I, when I see the heart of, of God, my Father, when I know who He is, that's all I can do. I'm not able to do anything else. He's not conflicted. He's not confused. He's not trying to please multiple audiences. He's not trying to keep multiple people happy. He's not trying to meet everyone's expectations. He's not trying to stay up and keep up with the Joneses. He's not trying to do any of that. He's just trying. He's just going to be true to who he is and in relationship as part of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit inside the Godhead. He says, for whatever the Father does, 
The Son likewise does these things. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he's doing, and he will show him greater works than these so that you too may be amazed. So Jesus is just not confused about any of this stuff. And so here's sort of what it looks like, okay? Jesus' position as, as the Son of God is not in doubt, and he knows who he is, he knows how he is, and he sees and he knows the Father's heart and the Father's will, and his schedule just lines up perfectly with that. There's no debate, he's not conflicted, he's not torn. There's perfect alignment between Jesus' position and the Father's heart and will and then Jesus' schedule. And now remember this, what I alluded to this last week, okay? Your schedule says more about you than you and I tend to think it does. How you spend your time, where you spend your time says more about you than you and I think it does. And so what we're trying to say is, okay, God, how can we get our schedule in this busy, crazy, hurried, hectic, always available, super hyper-connected, overloaded, ambiguous world? How do we get our schedule under your lordship? How do we get our schedule to be influenced by, set by your leadership? And Jesus is showing us how. Because here's the thing. The most important thing about Jesus shows up on his schedule. And that brings us to a question. What's the most important thing about you? What's the most important thing about you? At your core, what is the most important thing about you? When you know the answer to that question, you know how you're supposed to spend your time. You know some things that have to be on your calendar. No debates, no confliction. It'll never conflict. You wake up in the morning, dads, and you know you you know you, you got your family, your kids, your wife, right? But but in your mind, you're like, no, 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 I got to be the achiever today, or I got to be the provider today. And you and you run through breakfast, and you run to the car, and you've never been a dad. In that 30 minute window. So you got to go deeper than just the demands of the 24 7. You got to go deeper than what you do to get your paycheck. You got to go deeper than how you get the applause of the crowd around you. You got to go deeper. And so we're going to go deeper. But the beautiful thing about Jesus is he always lived this way. One of the few stories we have from his childhood, Jesus is, they're on their way, they're, they're going back from Jerusalem back to, to, to Nazareth. Jesus is about 12 years old, and he uh, leaves the caravan with his parents, and he goes to the synagogue, goes to the temple, and uh, they can't find him. And look at Jesus' answer. Why were you searching for me, he asked them. Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? I had to be on my calendar, mom and dad. It's who I am. So Jesus is not using time like you and I use time. We use time to prove ourselves. Jesus used time to be himself. We use time because we got to prove we think we got to prove ourselves. Jesus I didn't have anything to prove. Didn't have anything to lose. Most of us we think we have something to prove and something to lose. And so we got to spend our time protecting it or achieving it, 
or keeping it. But time is, according to Jesus, time is not to be used to prove ourselves, but to be ourselves. Now, in the beginning, we all, in the beginning, this wasn't an issue. Look, look at what happened when, you, when, when, when we were, this whole thing called humanity was, was brought into existence. God created man in his own image. We didn't have to make an image. We didn't have to make a name for ourselves. We were given an image. The image of God. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. The order is important. He blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Go out into the earth and be my image bearers. Go out into the earth. Don't prove yourself. Be yourself. Be my image bearers and rule over the fish of the sea and rule over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So here's the beautiful thing. God gave the blessing of identity before he gave the blessing of responsibility. He gave the blessing of identity. You are an image bearer of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of the cosmos. That's who you are. You reflect his image as as you're fruitful, as you're multiplying, as you're subduing, creating culture, creating cities, creating things like that. You do all of that, and, and that's your responsibility. Now, here's what happened, okay? Here's what happened. What did we do? Satan tempted us with a, with, with a better identity than the one God had given us. And then we went and rebelled against God. And we used our time, right? We took the fruit, proverbially and literally in Genesis 2. We, take, you know, we preferred something to God. We preferred doing something outside of God's will, outside of the family of God. So in sin, we not only lost our relationship with God, we lost ourselves. We lost ourselves, right? And, be, and so our core identity was in the relationship with God as Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus had the perfect relationship, we lost that relationship. And so now we don't know who we are, so what do we do? Now we go out into the world and we think responsibility gives identity. We go out in the world trying to do, to prove, to be Because this identity has been lost or broken. The relationship with God has been disturbed and damaged and severed. So we lose ourselves. And so now we're out of alignment. We are out of position with the Father's heart. We're not in the Father's family anymore. His will is all convoluted and we're broken. And so our schedule is dictated by what we want done. And we're out of alignment. Because we're out of position. And then we go out in the world and think responsibility gives us identity and we're not designed to bear the responsibility for creating an identity. Read that again. We're not designed to bear the responsibility for creating an identity. You know where a lot of your anxiety and stress comes from? Because right here. A bad day at work. Most people interpret a bad day at work as something's wrong with me. Or if it's not wrong with me, it's wrong with them. And we start blaming. Adam and Eve did that too. You know, if I have a bad practice, a bad game, something's wrong with me or something's wrong with the coach. Because you're trying to bear the responsibility for creating an identity. Because if you fail at your responsibility, what does that say about your identity? Then you're a failure. You're a reject. You're a problem. That's not God's will. That's not God's design. It was always blessing of identity. Live from that space And then just be who you are with T-I-M-E. So what happens? God has to reestablish our identity in Him. 
And we, and we take no responsibility for that because we weren't designed for it. So who we are is now reestablished positionally through the gospel. So God is going to gift you and I with an identity that was lost when we preferred to do it our way instead of God's way, when we preferred to reject God so, and, and just say, God, I don't need you as my king. I don't need you as my Lord. I don't need you as my dad, right? So God reestablished that positionally through the gospel. So here's what it says, right? You don't, you don't, God never says earn or deserve or prove yourself. Never. It's all by grace. So look at John 1.12. John 1.12 says this, To all who believed in him, Jesus accepted him for who he is, who he was, what he did. He gave the right to become children of God. That's the gift of giving you an identity. Because what comes first? Identity. Ephesians 1.5 says this, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. People who get adopted do nothing. The adoptive parent does everything, Right? Adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it pleased God to do it all for us. It pleased God to adopt us. So now we have an identity in the gospel. So I'm going to ask you again, what's the most important thing about you? And and the way you say it may differ from the way I say it. And some of you may not even believe what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it, and I'm going to pray as I'm saying it, that the Holy Spirit would bring illumination and freedom and clarity and liberation to some people's hearts and souls. The most important thing about you is Jesus Christ died for you and rose again to put his spirit inside of you so he could call you his son or his daughter, period, no ifs, ands, or buts. Now, I want to ask you a question. If you woke up every day, and lived that truth, that reality, as the dominant, core, fundamental thing about you, what would stress you out? Why would you need to take a pill to chill? Why would you go grab a drink to relieve some stress? Again, even if you're, you know, I don't know, Matt, but if, if, if the God of the universe bled and died for you, rose again, and then would put his spirit himself inside of you so you could be his sons and daughters, and you woke up every day, and that was more important about you than what they said on social media about you, if that was more important than what your bank account says about you, than your clothes say about you, than the stock market, whatever, you know what you and I would be? free. Because you think about Jesus. They're like, you can't spend your time that way. Yeah, I can. Because I know who I am. I know who I am. And I know who I'm not. And so when you receive that positional gift, son or daughter, when you receive that positional gift, then inside of you now you want to do something. It pleased God to call you her son or daughter, so you want to please him back. So then who you are positionally is practically lived out in time, over time, over a period of time, over the course of our lives. After, we're, after we receive our gift of position, of sonship, daughtership, uh, we're adopted in that forever family of God. Remember, God's always been in a family, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what God does in the cross is he opens up the family to us and say, you can come in and, and have relationship with us. You can come in and be one with us. 
And when we say yes to that for free for, by God's grace through the blood of Jesus, right? And we say yes to that, he calls you son or daughter. And that becomes the most important thing about you. No, no, but you and I wake up and what's most important about us is the bad day we had yesterday. Or what's most important about us is what if we can't close the deal today? Or what's most important about us is what the doctor's going to say at 3 p.m. No! No. What's most important is that God has adopted you and it gave him pleasure to do so. And then you and I can practically live that out in time over the time of our lives. And so now what happens when you go into the epistles and the letters of Paul, you get things like this. Pay careful attention then to how you live, how you spend your time, because time is life. Life is time. Not as unwise people, but as wise people. And he says, making the most of the time or redeeming the time because the days are evil. So now you live back to please God. But here's the thing. We easily get distracted, don't we? We easily get deceived, don't we? Adam and Eve did too. It's okay. They were distracted. They were deceived. And then, they, then they had to live defeated until God gave grace to take defeated people and make them victorious people. Same for you and I, right? So, so we easily get distracted. So we have to have ways to keep looking at God. We have to have ways to keep reminding ourselves of who we are in Christ and, and, and what God has done for us. And so our whole church, we've been doing it for a week. Over 2,000 of, 2000 of you signed up for this. Take out your smartphones if you're not signed up. Pray 2-4, no spaces. Text that to 888 and, every, and Monday through Friday, 11 a.m., we're all getting a text. And when you get a chance to open that text, click the link. We give you something to pray for. To let us realize our position in God, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That we can go into the throne room of heaven and ask God for grace and mercy. We can have an audience with God, an audience with Dad. Prayer is one way to remind ourselves of who we are. And, and, and stopping to spend time with God reminds us of, of the fact that Jesus is Lord of all, including our time. And then as a whole church, now listen, on March 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, we're all going to fast together. We're going to end the fast on the 4th. We'll have fun at First Wednesday as we celebrate, but we're fasting. Now, that, I'm asking you to pray about what does God want me to, to fast from. For some of you, it is not food. Okay, it might be social media. It might be soda, Cokes, caffeine, Starbucks. It might be, hey, I'm going to skip breakfast. And, and what I'm going to do with that extra time is I'm going to spend it in a position of faith with my father. And I'm going to pray or I, I, I'm going to read scripture. I'm going to spend time with dad. And I'm going to let my position, my identity in Christ be lived out in time. And so here we get come into alignment. When we know our position in Christ, the Father's heart that sent the Son to die for us, the Father's will, then our schedule and time line up and we live that out because now the most important thing about us shows up on our schedule. The most important thing about us shows up on our schedule. Now listen, let me pause for just a minute. There may be some of you here today and, and, if, and if, if, if I were to ask you, hey, what's the most important thing about you? You would, you, you, you know, some of us were foggy on that. But when I said what I said about the most important thing about you is Jesus bled for you, died for you, to place, rose for you, placed his, placed his spirit in you so you could be his son or daughter. Most, some of us, you came back alive. You woke back up. Yes, that's it. 
Not what happened to you like today, not what you face tomorrow, but that is the core fundamental day. Some of you, it was like a moment of worship inspired by the Holy Spirit, okay? Some of you are like, no, what's the most important thing about me is the girl I'm chasing. Some of you know, Matt, the most important thing about me is, man, I got to get this job thing done, or my most important thing about me is what I did 10 years ago that I'm still feeling bad and feeling guilty about. So that's an invitation, For you to receive Christ as your Savior and King. For you to walk out of here different than when you came in. Because you came in, the most important thing about you was cancer, your past, or the game next week, or the job, or or, 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 man, am I going to get the new piece of clothing when it comes out, right, and so I can look cool, whatever. But you're going to walk out of here, the most important thing about you is you're going to say, hey, I'm a son of the Most High God who bled for me, died for me, rose for me, put His Spirit in me. Or I'm a daughter of the King of Kings. If that's you, we need you to share it with us. It's the most important thing about you now. So you take out a next step card. You go have a conversation with your campus pastor or venue pastor in our lobbies. You get baptized to identify with Dad, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what we baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Because that's the most important thing about you now. And then when you wake up tomorrow, phew. And then I told you, and I promised you this, I'm going to give you a question. And it's a question for all of us who are sons and daughters of the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And and, and it'll it'll direct your energy, it'll focus your attitude, it'll it'll, it'll help your schedule. God was pleased. I, I cannot imagine this. God was pleased to send his son to die so he could adopt you and I, sons and daughters. He was pleased. Can you imagine that? He was pleased. To let Jesus go to the cross. I, I, that's a deep love that I'm still wrestling with after walking with Jesus since I was eight years old. His love truly is higher than I can imagine, deeper than I can fathom. And as that love washes over my soul and my heart, and the fact that it pleased him to do that, I realize there's a question I need to ask when it comes to my time, my attitude, my emotions, my schedule. And here's the question. Lord, does this please you now? Does this please you in my current season? Does this please you as part of my overall purpose and path in your kingdom as your son or daughter? That's the question that sets the agenda for our time. That practically we have the capacity to please God. And because positionally, He was pleased to make us sons or daughters. We want to please our Father. We want to glorify His Son. And we want to walk by His Spirit. So here's the question to ask. Would you take your calendar out at some point and lay this question over it and see what the Father says? Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, I pray just for clarity, God, because this world is crazy, it's busy. There's so many things competing for a piece of us, a piece of our time. But Holy Spirit, I just pray for clarity right now. Because God, I feel like there's some things some of us have got to eliminate. They're on our calendar, in our hearts, maybe in our path, but we've got to eliminate them because they don't please you. 
God, for some of us, there's some things we just, we, we, that, are on, that are on the horizon, and we've got to say no. For some of us, God, there's some invitations that we're not saying no to because uh, we're out of alignment. And now we need to say yes because it would please you. So, Holy Spirit, you just speak into every heart and every mind in such a way that it will show up in every schedule. And God, I, I believe there's some people here this weekend that have been adopted now. And they're going to walk out of here not the same as they walked in. They're going to walk out of here, and the most important thing about them is that they're your son or daughter. It's not that they have cancer. It's not that they did something bad 15 years ago. It's not that they're a business person or a student or a high schooler or an athlete or, or this or that. It's that they're your, your, your children. And Lord, we just celebrate with that right now. God, we're going to keep worshiping you. And our ushers will come down, and we're going to be able to worship you through giving if, of our tithes and offerings. And we're going to sing back to you. And just have some time, God, as we sing to just keep reflecting. But Lord, I, I just pray we'd all be thankful for who you are, what you did, how you lived. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. And Lord, we just want to be free. We want the most important thing about us to show up in our lives. Thank you for being a perfect father. Thank you, God, for making a way for imperfect people like Matt Evans to come into your family. And because we've come into your family, we'll come to your altar as we sing as we pray, and as we give. In the name, above all names, the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.